to, I, I had this thing where I gave myself permission to ask one question on every concert I did, but that was my comfort threshold. I was like, I was constantly making these calls and everybody sounded busy and short and frustrated on the other end as we are in the hospital. I was like, no, 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 I'm also here to learn. And I gave myself permission with every call, no matter how short the other person was, no matter how disinterested, disengaged or not up to talk they were, I would ask the question. Hello, my beautiful friends. My name is Dr. Beck. And I am Christine Barker. And this is Am I Doing It Wrong? A podcast for doctors by doctors. Dr. Beck is a mindset coach and medical doctor who specializes in liberating driven professional women from the limitations of perfectionism, imposter syndrome, and people pleasing. She's basically the cheat code for getting out of your own way, showing up authentically, and living a life you're proud of. And Christine is a medical educator and nephrologist who creates resources for doctors in training that I truly think are an unfair advantage. She makes complex topics super simple and takes the pain and uncertainty out of passing your medical exams. Christine and I connected a few years ago via our online platforms and over the years we've discussed countless highs, lows and in-betweens of Dr. Live. And in doing so, we've experienced firsthand the power of vulnerable conversations to show us where we get in our own way and underestimating our capacity. So we want you to be part of the conversation and experience these same results. Every week on the pod, we'll be bringing you conversations which shine light in dark places, normalize the doctor journey, ease unnecessary suffering, and give you actionable steps to thrive in all facets of your life. So grab a cuppa and get cozy for this week's episode of Am I Doing It Wrong? The podcast for doctors by doctors. Hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome back to the podcast. Every one of you who's joining in, we're so excited that you've decided to join us and spend your precious spare time here. And today is going to be a juicy one. Today, we are talking about being the kind of doctor who asks questions. And this is really topical this week for you, Beck. You were just telling me before we came on a story um, from today, yesterday. Tell us um, what's been going on for you. Yeah, guys, I was just telling Christine about how I felt quite embarrassed actually I'm thinking about where that embarrassed feeling came from but it's been nagging me so I have uh, I've been working in this new job for the last couple of weeks um, I've had a break from the hospital for a couple of months while I was living my life over in Europe and I've come back into the clinical setting to find myself you know deconditioned <laughs> in some spaces but this embarrassing feeling has been bugging me when I think about what the problem is in this case. The embarrassing feeling has come from me not showing up in the way that I want to show up clinically. The embarrassment is this is what I, this is who I am as a doctor, this is who I want to be as a doctor. And I've had this situation where I accidentally didn't show up that way. I'll give you a bit, I'll give you some more specifics. <laughs> so this is a very um, simple situation. So I got a call from uh, the ICU registrar where I'm working and um, they were calling me because our patient had been met calling overnight. And so the met call, the ICU team had been involved and they were just touching base with me, um, seeing how the patient had been progressing that day after I'd come and re- reviewed them in the morning. And um, now that all we had resolved the sort of acute emergency issues, we wanted to have a discussion about this patient's ongoing care. We'd seen that this patient was obviously uh, had the potential to become 
they, they were quite frail and had the potential to become unstable again. And so we wanted to revisit the resuscitation plan. Now, at this point, the IC registrar was telling me her opinion. She said, this is what we're planning to do. This is what our team is planning to do. We're planning to make the patient for uh, not for CPR, not for resuscitation, and not for ICU. And um, they could be for vasopressors and inotropes. And I'm nodding along, just kind of receiving this conversation. My mind's like, yeah, 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 I agree with all that. That all sounds appropriate. And the conversation moved on. Then I caught myself in this thought of being like, well, wait a second. I know why I agree with that. And I do agree with that. It doesn't bring up any red flags with me. But I'd also love to hear why they think that. Because in my mind, I, I'd come to that conclusion myself. But also, I, I could be sitting on the fence about it a little bit. You know, I had my reasons for coming to it, but I didn't know why they agreed and came to the same conclusion. We just saw each other's conclusions, but we didn't have a discussion about why or how we'd come to those conclusions. Now, that would be fine if I was perfectly happy, I was sitting tight, pretty comfortable in my opinion, but I still had questions. And more than that, I am actually actively trying to develop my clinical acumen in this area. I'm actually actively trying to um, kind of collect more cases of making careful decisions in this space, literally of just deciding to make a patient not for CPR and resuscitation or even for ICU on a case-by-case -case basis. This is an area that I'm actively trying to um, become better in and I, I want to be able to make decisions that I can really back myself in. This isn't something that I can go and learn from a textbook. This isn't something that I can go away by myself and just read theoretically. And it's not even something that I have um, used my consultants um, over the years to have these discussions. And often it ends up in this kind of vague, um, vague, case-by-case uh, -case kind of intangible decision um, that, to be honest, doesn't um, offer me that much when it comes to that more tricky question of, to me, would this patient be for ICU? And if we, if we are sitting on the fence about um, CPR intubation, what are the clinical consequences that we, we would be looking to avoid? And that is a question that is probably better answered by ICU than my physician consultants, just because ICU more frequently deal with these cases and in particular see the consequences of it. So all of this to say, I was perfectly positioned for an opportunity to learn from this ICU registrar that I had on the other side of the phone who had probably had this case discussed with even their consultant maybe um, and they'd made a team decision. But I let that question come up and not be answered or not be acted on in, in myself. And 
this is what, where the embarrassment came up. It's because I didn't recognize or respect that question. I didn't act in the way that I wanted to act in that case. And it just came with so much more ease to just agree and let the conversation go on. Because again, it's not that I disagreed, but there was an opportunity there to learn that I didn't take. So to me, this is uh, a common problem that I think a, a lot of us perhaps encounter in um, our clinical lives because for all of us, there are so many different things that we don't know or we don't know as well as we would like to know. Some people don't want to learn more about, you know, whether somebody's for ICU or not, their resuscitation status, appropriateness and the consequences of that. Some people don't want to know and they just want to defer that on to, you know, the ICU team or who, whoever else. But for me in particular, this was something that I wanted to learn. And I think for all of us, it's uh, important that we recognize those areas that we do want to better ourselves and give ourselves permission to do what needs to be done and in my case I lacked the awareness in that moment to see that I actually wanted to course correct on that phone call and say wait 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 a second I agree and can you tell me more? Can you explain more? So I thought it would be fun for us to, for you to help me unpack this a bit, Christine, to think about how I ended up um, in that situation where, um, yeah, I just, I didn't get to show up how I wanted to. I've got a few different ideas about what it could be, but I do need to reflect on it so that the next time the opportunity arises, I can take what I need from it to be the doctor I want to be. Oh my goodness, this is so juicy and thank you for sharing this. This is so relatable. But before we unpack the how you got there, which I think is juicy in itself, I guess as you were saying that, a couple of things came up, right? Which I just wanted to sort of point out as an observer of the situation. So one of the things you said was that there are some things that we can really only learn from a more experienced person or even just a different person's perspective, right? There are some things that don't live in textbooks and you pointed, this is perfect. This is one of those scenarios where if you're gonna get better or grow, and to be honest, even as a consultant, I think these end of life decisions, recess decisions, those types of things, we can always grow. There is no end to the growth that we can have, right? That's just one of those scenarios where you're always like learning from other people around you, the best way to have the conversation, all that. So I think that is it's such a beautiful example. Um, and the only way to get that growth in yourself is to ask the question. So it's so interesting you didn't ask the question, but we'll come back to that. And then I guess the other thing that I, I'm thinking in this situation is the fact that ICU called you as the treating team. It sounds like, you know, maybe they were just running it by you and see if you aligned, but they're probably also in part thinking this is never black and white. It's always best to gain your perspective. And they're actually interested in your perspective and probably interested in a back and forth. Maybe they're ha they've gone home thinking the same thing as you today. Who knows? <laughs> so it's so interesting. And then I guess the other thing is, just the bigger picture of the importance of asking these questions cannot be understated because as a consultant you will make decisions and you will make hard decisions and you have to learn to back yourself because regardless of the decision you make when you're responsible for it whether it goes right or wrong if 
someone comes back and says, why did you do that? You're going to have to have a really good reason as to why you did it. And so as long as you can back yourself and as long as you can arrive at your decision and really justify what you're doing, you can never really go wrong because you had a pathway to get there. So I think that this is so important for any doctor in training because the only way that we're going to be in that consultant mode, truly backing ourselves and having that confidence is by taking these steps on the journey. So this is amazing. I love this story <laughs> and I love this scenario. And I think there'll be lots of people listening who are can resonate with this. So then I guess it's like, how did you end up here? So you keep saying the word embarrassed and I'm, I'm thinking this, I mean, and not to invalidate your feelings, but I'm, I'm curious as to why you're embarrassed because I don't feel like this, this feels like a completely normal situation. Um, but I'm wondering where that's coming from and, and why you think that you did act in that way. Yeah. Why would you be embarrassed? And that is why the embarrassment's coming up because I'm here questioning myself and, and thinking you shouldn't have acted that way. You are acting outside of your integrity. That's what makes me feel embarrassed. It's this, this line of thoughts that's like you should have known better um, and you've been at this for long enough. And let's just say you've been at this for long enough in terms of hospital <laughs> work but also mindset work, right? I have multiple reasons for why my brain says you should know better, you should have done better in this situation. And I, I suppose it's important for me to realize because I feel the same way as you do. I'm kind of like surprised. I've just explored this situation and I'm surprised to find this embarrassment. And this isn't something that happened today. This is something that happened, was it even last week or Monday or so? It's Wednesday today, several days ago. And I haven't been feeling embarrassed. I've had this little niggle of like, um, like you need to do something or something didn't go right, just this little sense. And so now that I've brought this, like I've actually given this some attention finally several days later, now this feeling of embarrassment has been revealed that I think I've just been suppressing over the last couple of days. And this is such a amazing example of how important thought work is and just looking at your thoughts because now that I brought this embarrassment up, even as I'm talking to you about it right now and trying to understand why I feel embarrassed, literally as we're talking, it's lessening and lessening. As I'm seeing, I don't have a reason to be embarrassed. Before I was believing, I have a reason to be embarrassed. And just by working through it, I'm pulling apart those um, thought errors that for me um, are easily dismantled. For other people, it might not be so easily dismantled. And in certain other places in my life, it is not as easily dismantled. But in this case, it's a great example of how just questioning why am I feeling embarrassed as you've led me to is, is it's treating the source of the embarrassment in the first place. So there's nothing to even um, necessarily investigate. But as I was saying, I think the the root of my unsettled feeling is I didn't show up in my integrity. And it's okay that that bothers me. I'm happy for that to bother me. I'm happy for that to cause a negative emotion and get my attention because in this case, I genuinely wasn't. And now I've got to be careful to not make it mean all those pessimistic, premature conclusions like um, you're a bad doctor, you should feel guilty, um, maybe you're not cut out for this, you know, all the dramatic things that you can go and do and instead to just recognise what I want to do differently in the next case. 
And in the next case, I realized I really just need to switch back into that mode of being on the on the front foot to ask questions. That's what I had to purposely do before. And I guess that's why I mentioned my bit of a hospital break because before this, before I had a couple months off, that was my that was the way that I led myself um, in the work that I was doing, constantly asking questions, constantly taking opportunities to ask questions over and over again. And it was something I was doing on purpose, but it became more and more natural. After I've had a break, I've kind of had this shock and I'm like, oh, wait a second, I need to do this on purpose. I need to actually purposefully lean in to asking questions because apparently it doesn't come naturally to me. It's something that I had to do on purpose then and maybe I developed like some more strength in those neural pathways and it became more of a default. But right now in this moment in my life, I've just discovered that my default is to quiet the question, not rock the boat, not take up space, let like, you know, whatever those thoughts came up about like, you know, um, like that's that's not the point right now, Beck. You all agree, don't waste any time. Um, yeah, that's not the point of this phone call, all the other things, because that wasn't the only thing the phone call was about. So yeah, exploring whatever those thoughts were, that just also suppressed my question, like gave me permission to ignore that question that I had. Yeah, and you just said some pure gold there. It feels like word tennis. <laughs> I'm going to throw these right back at you. So you said you didn't want to rock the boat, take up space or waste their time. Oh, and I can so relate to this. Oh my goodness. So I guess, which one do you want to take first? What about the taking up up space? space? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, taking up space. It's such an important thing. And and I see this in different scenarios, um, but in this thing where you where you want to ask a question, you've got something on the tip of your tongue and something's blocking you from it. Um, yeah, what what is sort of um leads to that or I have a thought right now, the one that came to my mind. It's like by me asking this question, the idea is that I'm asking them something that I should already know and that I should go and learn myself. It's like my my brain is saying, this is assumed knowledge. They're speaking to you in this way because it's assumed knowledge. That's my interpretation of them talking to me like, we're all on the same page, right? You know, that's how I'm recognizing that that's the assumption I made from the whatever cues I was picking up from the conversation. And therefore, for me to interrupt that, and ask them to backtrack and explain, that is taking up space if if my assumption is correct. So even recognizing that thought, which straight away I'm like, that's just an that's just a thought error. That's an error in my interpretation. Sure, it might be true. It might be true that it's assumed knowledge, but who are they to decide at what knowledge level I should be at, right? Even if that, even if they did have that assumption, that doesn't mean that I shouldn't ask a question that I want to know the answer to. It doesn't mean that they're right about what I should know. Only I can know what I do and don't know. And it is my responsibility as a clinician to fill those gaps at the most appropriate pace and pick the right times to do it and the right resources, which, you know, sometimes is, you know, you can go and read about things. But as you said, at other times, this is my resource for learning. These clinical cases and consulting with other teams, 
this is one of my main resources. So it's, I think that's very, it's important for us to, I was actually talking to my interns about this today. It's important for us to give ourselves permission to take the learning from these clinical situations at work because we we're there to work, but we're actually there to train and we forget that. We think that we should just be taking up space to the point that it is required to do our work, but we also need to claim some space to do our learning as well. So I was talking about how I've had so many situations on the phone where, you know, especially when I was like BBT1 and I'd be getting, I'd be requesting consults and getting advice back from the specialty teams. And there were so many things I don't know, not that there's not so many things I don't know now, but there were so many things I didn't know, so many opportunities to learn with all these concerts I was making every single day, and, you know, in the position that I was in. And so many times I would just accept advice that didn't make sense. And it, I would have had the same sort of operating assumption there too. I can definitely see that being there. Well, if they're just, they're telling me it because it's, I don't know, assumed knowledge, they would, if it wasn't assumed knowledge, they would explain it to me, right? That's not true. They're just doing the bare minimum in their, their job. It's not, it's not, uh, they're, um, a part of their job to educate me on their specialty. They're just answering the question and me making the assumption that, um, they assume I understand why they've given this advice is just false. And also the assumption there in myself that I should know all these things and that I think even back then I probably believed that I could go and look this stuff up if I just read enough papers, if I <laughs> read every single up-to-date link, that I could go and find these answers myself. And I think just with clinical experience, I've realised that that is ridiculous. It's just not how medicine works. But as a very junior person, I think, I took way too much responsibility for my own learning and I wasn't willing to take up resources from the system, i.e. my colleagues and these consult opportunities to learn on the job, on the go, because I took too much onus on, well, you should know this by now. Well, you should learn this yourself. Go and do this study in your own time. Yeah, I can really relate to that. And almost having like, did you ever have one of those lists that never ended? Like you'd write down like the list of things that you didn't understand, but you would actually never tick anything off. So then the list just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> and like, I was never gonna go home and study that because I was too tired because I had a big day. But um, just coming back to what you were saying, um, there, I actually loved it because you kind of touched on two different ways to ask questions. So one, and how we sort of started off was about your own learning. When you do sort of agree with the person on the other end of the phone or whoever you're speaking to, but you're like, oh, I wonder how they got there, like a curiosity. And then you sort of touched on how sometimes you can be speaking to someone and you may or may not agree. And then that is a different scenario and a lot more controversial, but I would certainly, like, I guess it sort of echoes what I said earlier about being able to back yourself is, it is really important, even if you get a consult from whoever, another specialty team, whoever it is, regardless of how experienced they are or how much they know, if it's your patient, you still want to be able to, well, explain things to the patient. But if something goes wrong, you want to know, you know, exactly how we arrived there. And you don't want to, I guess, just take 
things at face value. You know, I've, I've had a few registrars in that situation who, you know, I don't know, say gastro have come along and said something and I'd be like, well, what do you think? And they're like, oh, well, gastro said this. And I'm like, no, but what do you think? <laughs> because there'll be something there that I'm like, oh, it doesn't quite fit this person. Like, I'd love to know more about that. I'd love to pick gastro's brain about that because I'm not quite, because I guess um, every time that I'm coming up to the patient, I'm thinking, all right, I'm just going to take all this and then I, what do I think? Because obviously as a consultant, that's what you have to do. But um, I think we should all be doing that and trying to do that young because like you say, it actually is what could be more important than knowing whether you agree or disagree. But then it's that thing where you don't want to rock the boat or offend anyone or <laughs> take up this space when really I feel like um, it would be interesting if we asked more questions. Like if I'm making a decision and I'm and someone's going to ask me a question, I want I want to be ready to answer it as well, right? And and I actually think that very experienced people, depending on what the question is, they might they might struggle to answer your question. Like in some scenarios, have you ever found that where you do ask the question and then you're met with a funny response? Has that ever happened to you? Are you saying because it's it's such implied knowledge to them or they... Not even implied knowledge, but just um, sometimes we do things because we're just working through an algorithm or we've just, it's just what we do. Like sometimes we see this and we just do this and then you kind of almost forget why you do what you do. And so if someone asks you, oh, why are we doing this? Usually you can justify it. Um, but there are scenarios where those are actually quite hard questions to answer. And I think it would serve everyone to go back and really always think about that always have it top of mind like the evidence base or the who where did you learn this because I'm sure that I still do some things I just learned as a registrar by osmosis and I it's just what we do (laughs) you know when I was talking to my interns about this today I was actually saying so a I was talking about how I when I was junior I gave myself permission so I, I had this thing where I gave myself permission to ask one question on every concert I did. That was what I, and you can ask as many questions as you want, guys, but that was my comfort threshold. I was like, I was constantly making these calls and everybody sounded busy and short and frustrated on the other end as we are in the hospital. And um, I was like, no, 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 I'm also here to learn. And I gave myself permission with every call, no matter how short the other person was, no matter how disinterested, disengaged, or not up to talk they were. I would ask the question for myself, for my learning. It was something I decided to do to honor myself. And because I also had that running list of all the things that I wanted to learn that just weren't getting done after hours. Right. So I was talking to my interns about this today when I was um, talking about this thing that I'd done and how um, important it is to ask questions and how valuable it is when somebody does answer your questions in an educating way but also to be prepared for when people don't react well to your questions you have to be willing to get the bad reactions in order to keep asking the questions people will come across whether it's true or not they will come across um, short disinterested they might even seem upset or annoyed that you've asked the question they might be offended that you've asked the question they might be caught off guard because or they might be embarrassed themselves because as you're saying, like for not for a bad reason, but just because it's how our brains work. Sometimes we forget the information that's irrelevant to us now because it, it just is the answer. We don't need to know all the backstory. It just is the answer. Um, it's like implicit memory versus uh, episodic memory. So when 
there's so many reasons that people can react poorly to your questions and to be willing to ask questions for yourself. If you want to be that kind of person who learns on the job and learns from these clinical scenarios, who gets that information about what you can't learn in the textbook. And um, if, if that's who you want to be, you have to be willing to at least perceive that other people will receive that poorly sometimes. And I think that's a really important part of supporting yourself to ask the questions. You just have to be willing to let other people be how they are, but do it for yourself. So when it, I think that's probably one of the most um, important changes you can make if when it comes to how to ask a question, people will be offended or upset or whatever, and you can't do anything about that. But is that a reason for you to stunt your learning? That's the question we have to answer for ourselves at the end of the day. And there's ways that you can ask the questions. There's a lot, if you're coming across curious um, or, or just prefacing it with, just for my learning, <laughs> I love that. Just, just for my learning, could you tell me about, um, it just it creates a, a scene where the other person feels more comfy. Um, but what I was, um, I noticed there when you were saying that, and I don't know whether you might have taught me this or some podcast person might have taught me this, but what came into my head was the definition of confidence. And I think someone gave me this definition of confidence being the willingness to be uncomfortable. And that was kind of what you were describing was a confidence that you have to, like confidence is not knowing the answers, confidence is how you're gonna go through life getting the answers in a way. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. Like what's more, what creates more confidence than knowing that you will back yourself and take care of yourself even when you're uncomfortable or feeling any of those much more challenging emotions that makes you that makes you unstoppable yeah absolutely and it's a really good way to sort of sum up the the body today go forth and be confident but i really think this was a great example you know in terms of bringing that to us and and asking questions because it sounds really simple but as you can see when you unpack it it's got layers to it and i think it would serve us all well to have it top of mind but also as we go through if, if you are listening to this and you're actually in a more senior position welcoming questions and almost um, having your thoughts and your, uh, I guess, clinical reasoning out on display a little bit more as well um, can also be helpful so that you're not you're not expecting someone to be so developed and confident that they can um, do this necessarily as well. So I think a bit of meeting in the middle on both sides of that would be really helpful and could change the way we do things in the hospital. Yeah. That would automatically undo that assumption that I made that this is assumed knowledge. And I do do that with my interns as well. If they're nodding along at things that I'm like, wow, I'm very surprised that you understand this <laughs> at internship level. And that's when, when people are nodding along kind of inappropriately, it's such a great opportunity as an educate, as an educator to step in. And if I had, I have had so many consultants who do that for me, who step into the learning and I, that would have literally solved one of my problems if, not that this is the ICU registrar's responsibility, but if she was like, I, uh, do you want to talk about the reasoning or what's your reasoning for why you agree? You know, that's not her job. But if we approach things that way, when we have these conversations that aren't black and white, it welcomes people into asking questions. And if you want to be proactive, it's a beautiful thing that you can do for medical culture. 
Yeah, it's a team sport and it definitely leads to the best patient care is having those open discussions where you're not afraid to show your blind spots and welcome in uh, new perspectives and then arrive at your own perspective. But I think get all the information and then arrive at your own perspective. I think that's really key. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope that everyone listening um, feels more confident. You're going to tomorrow, today, (laughs) just a little bit more curious and able to back yourself. That's my wish for you. And thank you so much for sharing that with us, Beck. Did you have anything else to say to these guys? (laughs) Yeah, I just, I agree. More confident and giving yourself permission to take up space and ask questions and remember that you're not just in the hospital to work even as a consultant working getting the work done isn't your only job you have to constantly be learning it's a part of our job to take up space and ask questions and I'm for me I I know I've just got to bring it to the front of my mind and practice that day after day now until it becomes my my default neural pathway again to err on the side of the question as opposed to err on the side of the suppression So thank you guys so much. We are looking forward to chatting with you in the comments down below and we will see you in our next one. (laughs) Bye. I've been waiting all my life for something. I've been down the darkest roads and up in the clouds.